We need to be a people that walk worthy of the calling by which we have been called. That invitation, that vocation, that it's an invitation of Christ. It's because we've received that invitation and we've given our life to Christ. Or it's a vocation that we have. It's our ministry that we have. Then in that ministry, we are to walk worthy. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. All right, we're in Ephesians chapter 4. Picking up in Ephesians chapter 4, we have a transition in the book of Ephesians. The first four chapters have had us in the heavenlies, as Paul has just been talking about, all that is ours because of Jesus Christ, the gift that he has given us, that we have been not only saved, but we have an inheritance awaiting us. We are one in the body of Christ, both Jew and Gentile together alike. We come on the same platform, the same basis of salvation So many things that have been given to us by God the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ being that chief cornerstone from which we, see I'm a brick mason by trade, and a cornerstone doesn't mean necessarily something you build yourself on, a foundation is what you build on, but a cornerstone in referring to the Bible days was a stone that they would make as perfect as they could make, and they would set that stone at the corner, and then determine the whole building from that stone. And in that sense, our lives should be determined by the chief cornerstone, Jesus Christ. Uh, Not just to have Jesus as our Savior and kind of do good, but to live our lives because Jesus is our Savior, that we are to live as believers in Jesus Christ. And as we get into chapters 4 through 6, there is this transition where Paul brings us to that how-to section of the book. Hey, heaven's yours. It's yours. One day we'll get to see all the heaven glory. But right now we're on the earth. Right now, every day doesn't feel like heaven. In fact, some days it could be as if it feels like it's hell here on earth in certain times in our lives where we can be going through horrific things as we had reported of earthquakes this morning on the other side of the world for us. But... It's horrors that we all don't anticipate in the sense of, I don't want to look forward to something like this, but in the back of our mind, especially since 9-11, there's this thought of one day we're going to wake up just like we did on 9-11 and everything changed. 
Everything's different. So the how-to, how-to walk, and, and we'll be going through that as we go through the last three sections of Ephesians. Today, we're just looking at six verses, and this is also divided, and we have the uh, really a how-to portion of verses one through three, and then verses four through six, we find perhaps one of the earlier creeds of the New Testament church or a formation of a creed. Maybe it wasn't officially a creed, but there was something here that speaks about the unity of the body of Christ, but that unity being with the Spirit, with the Lord, and with God the Father. And so there is this connection. We'll look at that in a moment, but we want to look at the first three verses here, and we find that Paul is, well, he begins by saying simply, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to have a walk worthy of the calling for which you were called. Paul, the prisoner of the Lord, he he never identifies himself. We don't find him ever identify himself in Scripture as a prisoner of Rome. And he said the same similar thing in chapter 3, verse 1. He said, I, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, that there is this connection that I am in handcuffs, we could say, or bonds to the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything that Christ has done for me, I'm his prisoner. Now, he was a prisoner of Rome at this time when he wrote this. He would be a prisoner of Rome as you go through the book of Acts. It seems that for a period of five years before he would see Caesar. And we don't read about that at all in Scripture, but we do read about his journey to Rome, and he finally makes it to the city of Rome. It closes out the book of Acts. But he was a prisoner of the Lord. In reality, a prisoner sitting in a prison cell, he was writing this letter from a prison cell. But he didn't connect his uh, being a prisoner of Roman army or of the Jews. He was a prisoner of the Lord. He was bound to the Lord for the ministry that God had called them. And so he's, he's begging them to beseech. He's just really exhorting them to encourage them and wanting them to have a walk that's worthy of the calling by which you were called. Don't you think that's kind of important for Christians, to have a walk that's worthy of the calling by which you were called? How many of you, and you don't have to name names, I don't want you to name names, but can you in your mind think of a believer that, well, they perhaps haven't had a walk that's worthy of the calling by which they were called. I mean, we can, in, in our minds, and we can just pick out people, and there could be some celebrity ministers that have fallen, or not-so-celebrity ministers, or just individuals within the fellowship with churches that you have been to prior to this church, and maybe this is the only church, and even within this church, there could be those that it's like, man, they didn't respond like a Christian in that moment. I can't believe where I saw that person And we're to have a walk that's worthy of the calling by which we have been called. Walk in the Greek simply means to tread all around. So just wherever, you know, think about a sandy beach when you're walking on a sandy beach and and you leave the footprints everywhere and you're treading all around. But you do that in life. We want to have a walk sometimes that people don't know where we're at, but we leave our fingerprint. We leave our footprint. It speaks about where you're going in life, wherever you're going in life, whatever you're doing in life, whether you're driving in a car, whether you're 
transportation is by a bus or by a bicycle or by a plane. But wherever you go, whether it's your feet that takes you there, we're to have a walk worthy of the calling by which you are called. That Greek word for calling there in verse 1, it speaks about in the King James, they translated it as vocation. So we think about a job. When I think about vocation, I think about a job, but it also could be translated as an invitation, both work, that we have been invited into the body of Christ. And as believers, responding to that invitation, we're to walk worthy of the calling by which we've been called. Or it is a vocation. It's our job to walk worthy of the calling. God has put it upon us to walk in such a way that it reflects his son. And I think so often we fail so much in these areas that we don't walk. We're to walk worthy. He's really concerned about our walk in the book of Ephesians. He uses the word six times or seven times. I put six times here in my notes because the one is referring to the walk that you used to have when you were a non-believer. And he does that too. But as believers... In Ephesians 2.10, he says that we have been created. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has prepared good works for us to do. I don't know if we get that. I know a lot of the church, they don't. They miss that fact. One of the, I think, misadvantages of the evangelical church in the uh, 20th century and even coming into the 21st century now is that church is about salvation. Church is about a destination. Church is about heaven someday. But according to the word of God, it's not only that. We are to walk worthy according to the vocation or the calling by which we have been called. We have been created for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has a ministry, a purpose for us. It's not just to save us, to be with him in heaven, but he wants us to serve him now. In Ephesians 4:17, it's speaking about the old life, that you no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their minds. Get your mind out of the gutter. We're not to be like the world. We're to have a different thought process. We're to shut down the old ways. And it's so hard to do sometimes because sometimes those thoughts come back. I'm, I'm a musician. I have a hard time sometimes remembering songs. But once a song gets in my head, I remember things from 30, 40 years ago. And some songs that it's like, I wish I would forget them. I don't need to be singing these songs anymore. They serve no purpose And they don't glorify God or glorify anything else quite often. The old rock and roll songs that I grew up on were glorifying sex, drugs, and rock and roll or glorifying themselves. Music hasn't changed much except I think it's gotten worse as far as the content. I don't care how you mask the music, whether it's hip-hop or rock beat or rap You know, it's just a method, a a transformation of getting the message across, but it's the words quite often. They're just, they're blatant, and they don't glorify. We have been created to worship. We have been created to sing. But for me as a musician, I got some songs in my head. I wish God would just take the big eraser and get rid of them. And maybe you have some things. It's not music. Maybe it's something else. It's part of your old life. But 
here in Ephesians 4.17. We'll get to that coming up soon in a few weeks, but we are to no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles in the futility of their minds. Ephesians 5.2, it tells us we are to walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God a sweet for a sweet-smelling aroma. We're to walk in love just as Christ loved us. There's a, to be a connection. Jesus loved us. He gave himself. He was a sacrifice for us. To God, that was a sweet-smelling aroma. We're to have a sweet-smelling aroma to God and to walk in the similar type of love sacrificially giving our lives to serve one another. Ephesians 5.8, you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. Walk like you're a believer. You know, I have a pickup truck that's got stickers quite blatant on the back of it. I used to be the no t-shirt, no sticker guy. And this all happened one day when I was at work as a bricklayer once. A guy wore a t-shirt in there that was really bad. And I was spent like six hours trying to figure out what it meant because it was a t-shirt that had missing letters. And once I put the missing letters in, it took me a while to figure it out. I was upset that I even uh, figured it out. <laughs> I wish, why did I even bother? Now it's got me mad. That day I went home from work. Before I got home, I went to the Christian bookstore in Zion. I bought me a t-shirt that says the Lord's gem and got Jesus bearing the cross and, you know, bench press this, I think is what it says on it. And uh, so I cut the sleeves off and went to work the next day wearing that baby. Got to have the sleeves off if you're a bricklayer. But uh, at least in the summertime, that is. And this guy liked my t-shirt. I was thinking, I'm wearing this because of you. But that kind of started the process. And right now I have one that says Jesus, the way, uh, the truth, and the life on the back of my pickup truck. And I have to think about that sometimes. How, how am I driving? Because I'm representing Christ and everybody knows it. Maybe not from the front side, but they do from the rear end. And I need to drive in such a way that represents Jesus Christ. So I don't want to be that guy, and I don't that blows by someone on the freeway about 80, 90 miles an hour. And at that speed, maybe they couldn't read what was on the back of your car. We need to represent Christ in the way that we live. We once walked in darkness, but now we're in the light of the Lord. Walk as children of the light. And finally, in Ephesians 5:15, see that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. So really thinking about it goes back to our Proverbs that we had that said, ponder the path of your feet. Do we think about, hey, what's going to happen if I go in this direction? Where's that going to take me? Do we actually walk in such a way, not as fools, but as wise? And I think those who are foolish, they don't ponder the path of their feet. They don't think about the outcome of their uh, circumstances that they can get themselves into. We need to be a people that walk worthy of the calling by which we have been called. That invitation, that vocation that has, we've already looked at here, it's an invitation of Christ. It's then worthy to walk because we've received that invitation and we've given our life to Christ. Or it's a vocation that we have. It's our ministry that we have. Then in that ministry, we are to walk worthy. 
beyond just walking worthy, he gives us a little how-to in verses 2 and 3. There's five things that I drew out of this, and the five things are simply this. We're to walk with all lowliness, number one, gentleness, number two, long-suffering, number three, number four, bearing with one another in love, and number five, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bonds of peace. So first of all, we're to walk in lowliness. It, in the Greek, it means the littleness of mind. In our world today, they don't like the idea of humility or lowliness or someone being humble. In reality, there are those that think that kind of mindset is idiotic. And it doesn't mean that you allow people to walk all over you, but it means that you show compassion in your life. It's a word that refers to humiliation, a a lowliness of mind. It's to be a fundamental attitude of the church of Jesus Christ. Philippians 2, 3 says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each one esteem others better than themselves. And how do we do when it comes to that? Are we esteeming others better than ourselves? Or are we just like, man, I'm taking care of myself. I don't care about anyone else. That attitude is not to be in the church of Jesus Christ. We're also to be gentle. And it's the word that is found when Jesus came riding in Jerusalem on the donkey, lowly and sitting on the donkey, a colt, a fold of a donkey. That's found in Matthew 21.5. That word for lowly is the same Greek word that's been translated as gentle here. And you can use, you know, humility and lowliness and gentleness. They all have that same flavor, that same feel. But think about Jesus riding in on that donkey. You know, years ago, I was, Lily and I were both in this Easter musical at a church in Libertyville. I was playing on the worship team. Lily was um, acting as one of the ladies that saw the risen Savior. I don't know which Mary she was, but she was one of those Marys. Anyways, we were testing out the crucifixion. Now, when you crucify someone in your church, you want to hopefully make sure that they don't actually die. So you got to figure out how to hang them on a cross have the looks of the nails in their hands and feet, but not really doing that. You know, there might be some churches where they'd love to crucify you like that, but we didn't want to do that. So we had rigged up the song director to where he was hanging on the cross. And I remember a couple of the ladies looking up at him up on the stage, up on the cross, and there one lady saying to the other, it's just like I pictured our Lord. And I was thinking, no, he's a skinny little song director. He's never lifted a hammer in his life, I don't think. The most he has done is played some keyboards, but he didn't have hands of a carpenter. And there's something about tradesmen. I got thick fingers. I have to get an acoustic guitar that has a wider neck on it because my fingertips are thick, and they're thick because I laid brick for 20-something years. You can tell someone who has worked with his hands. And Jesus was a carpenter by trade. He didn't come on the scene to present himself in ministry as the Messiah until he was around 30 years old. And he probably went to work as a young teenager, very young teenager, hanging around the shop with Joseph, his stepdad, learning the trade, working with his hands. Ken Graves, one of the Calvary Chapel pastors in 
Ben Gourmain. He describes this scene as Jesus coming into Jerusalem, sitting on his donkey with his car harder, Dickie's robe on, you know, carpenter's pencil hanging out the backside of the pocket on the robe. And he's got his big carpenter's hand, his feet dragging the ground because he's too big for the donkey fold that he's on while he's weeping because it tells us that Jesus cried as he came into the city of Jerusalem. You know, Jesus, he harnessed his strength and humility and gentleness and meekness. He came lowly sitting on a donkey's colt in the fold of a donkey. He came lowly sitting on this donkey, although he held in him the power of the Godhead. Yet he willingly humbled himself in the likeness of men. And the Bible tells us in Philippians 2 verses 5 through 8, it says, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant, coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. If Jesus, our Savior, he is God. He has all the power that belongs to him as deity. And he humbled himself as a man. Paul also tells us that we should be long-suffering. It's a word that speaks about forbearance. Uh, it's often cataloged in the Christian virtues. One list of virtues that we should have as Christians given to us by Paul in Galatians 5, and 23, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, the same word here, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against there is no such law. It's a mindset. You fortitude your mind in this sense that you are long-suffering, that you bear with one another. It kind of goes into the next point. Bearing with one another in love. One of the commentators said that this word for bearing with one another, the bearing could mean to hold yourself up against someone or basically to put up with. Now, how many of you have ever put up with someone? Do you always put up with someone in love? It's connected with agape here in this passage. We're to bear with one another in love, not just, you know what, I'm just going to put up with them. I don't care. I'll just put up with them. I'll put up with her. But it's connected to love. We're to put up with the mind of Christ. Now think about your Savior and how he puts up with you. Do you always do everything that would honor Christ? Do you always do everything? It's just like, oh, Jesus would be so proud of me right now if he saw me in this moment. I think quite often we think, perhaps he's not looking. Perhaps he's looking at someone else right now. He's not paying attention to me. And I think the cross shows us this so well because he had no reason to come and to die for us. There is no reason within us that Christ should come to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Romans 5.8, Christ died for us. It was a demonstration of love, and that is a great demonstration of what it means to put up with someone, to bear with one another in love. Jesus has done it for us. He's doing it for us to this day, and we should do it toward each other. He is in us all, if we are believers in Jesus Christ. 
It is necessary for us to proclaim faith in Christ. I did that when I was seven years old. In confusion, I did it again when I was in my 20s, but the Lord worked that one out of me. And I, I know that I was saved when I was seven. And maybe you're just a little confused because it happened to me. It took two years for me to work that out, by the way. It takes me a while sometimes. But you don't need to be confused. All you need to do is trust. There is one faith, one God. These list of seven ones. Let's review them again, then we'll close and pray. There is one body and one spirit. Just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is above all and through all, and in you all. And Father, it is my prayer that that is true for each of us, that you are in us all, that you have made your dwelling, your home in our hearts. And Lord, that we know your presence. And Lord, that we would live in such a way, as Paul has encouraged us here today, to walk worthy of the calling, that we would walk in lowliness and gentleness and long-suffering, that we would bear with one another in love, and that we would, Lord, endeavor to keep the unity of the Holy Spirit in the bonds of peace. Father, it's my prayer for this church today. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.